let's talk about how one of the great creators of the 20th century used ideas as building blocks. I'm Rick Prescott, and this is Something From Nothing. Welcome back to another episode of Something From Nothing, where we talk about the mysteries and practicalities of creativity. My name is Rick Prescott. Today we're going to go right to the intersection of those two things, mysteries and practicalities. So I want to start by talking about um, Stephen Sondheim. I'm a Sondheim super fan going way back. When I need inspiration, when I when I'm feeling like uh, I I don't I don't know what to what to do next creatively, uh, turning to somebody like Stephen Sondheim and his model really is a great uh, a great technique. It's a great way to go about it. Because he was, if nothing else, um, disciplined, he was imaginative, uh, he was um, whimsical, he was uh, emotional, um, he used brain in equal amounts to the emotion. Uh, and what he put into what he did, and, and not just what he did, but how he did it, um, is a great place for someone who is interested in creativity to to start and to go for uh, advice. It's pretty well known how Sondheim worked. And um, that is forefront in my mind because I saw a production of Merrily We Roll Along over the weekend um, that really brought back to mind the genius associated with pretty much everything that he did. And it led me to drag out my copy of um, Finishing the Hat, uh, which is uh, the first volume of a two-volume set where Sondheim discusses uh, mostly his lyrics. Uh, it also contains actual reproductions of his manuscript pages, and these are incredibly fascinating um, documents uh, because they reveal, among other things, that Sondheim had a lot of ideas. He uh, was a fountain of uh, just all sorts of possibilities uh, when he started writing. And this is a, a, a lesson that is worth uh, internalizing. The ability to generate a lot of ideas is really critical to being creative. Um, it's tempting to think that, you know, you have a good idea, you have a single one, <laughs> singular good idea, and that you are going to go on to develop that into something that you can use. And the reality is that you that that really that one idea is probably never going to be enough, uh, and you're better off if you have ten ideas from which you will pick the best and develop that. Uh, and that is one of the things that I see is so obvious in in uh, these the pages, the manuscript pages in this book, that almost every lyric that he wrote had three or four possible alternatives out behind it. Now, what this says is that most important, before we even talk about what ideas are, is a creative person needs a way to generate ideas sort of on demand. 
you may you may have a task and you may not you know a assigned task you know as all of Sondheim's work was it was all assigned tasks you have an assigned task and you need an idea in order to start developing that and you need a method by which you generate that idea to be developed um now i have already talked in this series about my um noodling on the piano as a way of generating ideas. And don't get me wrong, I'm not comparing my noodling or my process <laughs> to Stephen Sondheim. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I wish I wish I could, uh, could make that comparison. It wouldn't come out well for me. But I can tell you that for me, that's a, that's a, uh, a technique that actually works really well, especially on the musical side, in that I can, always, I can always come up with ideas and then kind of mine them for what is the best. And that's true no matter whether you're writing words or music, uh, or if you're engaged in other creative activities, you need to generate ideas. The next big thing to notice uh, about the Sondheim manuscripts is that um, almost no idea makes it through without some sort of significant revision. Um, it's just it's just a, a fact um, that it appears, and I, I've heard him talk about this in interviews. Um, it, he's he's a fantastic interview. So if you have a chance to, uh, you know. Find an interview on YouTube. Um, it's definitely worth it. But um, I've heard him talk about this: that the initial ideas almost never make it through. So he'll he may say that the the, the title of the song is going to be this, or the idea of the song is going to be that, or the emotion of the song is going to be that. It's going to serve this purpose for the character, and of course, everything is subject to change. More than that, though, even the good ideas. Well, they all seem pretty good. <laughs> seem pretty good to me. Um, get crossed out and replaced. Basically, he is generating idea after idea after idea. He's sifting through them, and then no matter how good the initial idea, it is getting revised. And that is, um, I think, a very important uh, sort of humbling uh, aspect to it. It's also incredibly freeing to know that you don't need to rely on your first idea, because another one's going to come along, and your first idea may simply be um, a catalyst for the idea that you're ultimately going to use. Um, it's definitely worth uh, admitting that not every every idea not only is not not good, but even the good ideas might not be the right ideas. And I've heard him talk about that in interviews as well, that uh, the measure of the idea is not how, you know, brilliant it is. It's how well it fits the need. And, of course, this is an interesting thing about what he was doing, which I alluded to earlier, and that is that everything he was doing was an assignment. He was not somebody who typically uh, initiated the shows. There were, I think there were only a couple that he actually, they were his idea, and then he went and found a partner to try and work with. For the most part, other people were bringing ideas to him, and he was saying, oh, this is a great idea, or he was developing things uh, in connection with other people, and uh, basically... From that point on, he was seeing how the idea developed, 
And he mentions often that he needed a playwright to write a scene in order for him to write a song because the song was an assignment and he wasn't trying to figure out what this character needed to say at this particular moment. He was relying on the playwright to do that. And then he was taking those things and turning them into the songs that would do what the playwright had in mind. This is a really hard thing to um, to get your mind around because Sondheim's music is so brilliant and his shows are known by his name often rather than his uh, collaborators' names. Uh, and yet everything he did was derived from something that somebody else did. Um, and the process of doing that was generating lots of ideas and seeing what fit. The process that Stephen Sondheim used to turn his ideas into the finished product that you see and hear on the stage and the recordings, that's beyond the scope of what I want to talk about here, because I really want to talk about the genesis of ideas. And let's start off just by noticing that um, Sondheim's ideas often came from other people, at least to start off with, and that's really well documented. And then he took idea sources and generated more ideas of his own to augment other people's ideas. And he did that very aggressively and continuously, seeking out new ideas, new possibilities with every iteration of what he was writing. And I'd love to dig into that, but what I what we need to ask today is where do ideas come from, whether that's coming from the playwright first or where it comes from Sondheim himself? Where, what's the source? What's the source of those ideas? When you need them, where can you go to get them? That's the hard question. It seems like something that we should be able to understand, but I'm not sure. It's really tempting to get metaphysical, isn't it, right? Because who knows what an idea is? Who knows where an idea it, it comes from? And, and I'll be honest, even as I start talking about it, I, can't, I don't have an answer to the question of either what is an idea or where does an idea come from. But I can talk a little bit about how I think of ideas and what I consider to be the core of an idea and that is uh, you know it's just it's just a building block is all it is it's the building block from which you will build whatever creative work you try to build in other words it's something small it's actually something tiny and it can be bigger than that, but it doesn't have to be bigger than that. Uh, it can be as simple as, a, I don't know, an interval that you like or a, a turn of a, of, a, of a chord progression or something like that. It can be a, a, a pair of words that go together versus, you know, a, a long stream of things. And I, I start with that as sort of the most hopeful thing is that when I don't know what it is, I also know 
it's not very big. It's only going to be the starting point. It's only going to be the building block. That idea of ideas being building blocks is certainly nothing new. I don't feel like I'm telling you anything you probably haven't heard before. But it is something that I internalize, and I don't worry too much about where the ideas come from, because they're coming from you know, if if you want to be mystical, and I'm I'm you know sometimes I'm I'm in that space uh, because I've had things that I felt like came fully formed, and I just transcribed them. I just had to transcribe them, uh, which is a great feeling. And I've also had things that were good that I labored over, and I labored over a great deal. And even if they if some little piece of that came, some little piece of the inspiration, maybe the idea came uh, fully formed. The realization of it did not. I, I had to actually go through and, and, and do the work in order to make that make that happen. Um, but still, the building blocks of the ideas are really what you're trying to create for yourself. You're really only trying to create raw materials when you're generating ideas. Um, you're trying to create that stack of two-by-fours over there that will eventually become a wall. In that way, it doesn't really matter where they come from. And it doesn't matter what they are, and it doesn't matter how you go about doing it. It's simply a matter of you finding a way to do it, knowing that you're going to need to, knowing that you need to generate ideas before you can refine them. Even as you know that you won't take your ideas most of the time as they come, you will continue to refine them. You will continue to try and make something more out of them or fit them into the slots of of what you need. And when I when I think of Sondheim and I think of everything I have seen uh, in the book and and everything I've seen in interviews, uh, I realize that he took a very very practical approach to it. He he wasn't immune to thinking about it in mystical terms. He there I've, there are times when he would sort of say, "Well, I don't know, maybe whatever." But he was he was never uh, I'm I'm going to uh, I, he he was he was never going to say. I'm going to just take what comes to me. He was going to say, I'm going to go get it. I'm going to go and get those ideas, and I'm going to bring those ideas out, and I'm going to write those ideas down, and then I'm going to search through them, and I'm going to try and find the ones that do what I need them to do, and I'm going to try and build those together into something. That is the heart of being a a creator. Thank you. 
That is a piece from 2018. It's called Mendota, uh, a, the third movement of the Mendota Suite, uh, written on commission for a wedding. Uh, if you are somebody, a, a creative person who has friends, <laughs> you will inevitably get asked to write music for weddings. And uh, this was uh, this was actually a commission. Uh, and it's included here because it was built from the tiniest possible germ of an idea, a few notes on a ukulele, which turned into something much bigger. Um, the story of that and how it all came together is longer than I want to go into today. So that will be available uh, as a mini documentary at patreon.com slash Rick Prescott. There you can also hear the other two movements uh, of the suite uh, and how it all uh, came together. I will also include samples of ideas that I had and threw away. You can decide whether I threw something good away or something bad. Um, but it, the finished version of that suite was actually the third or fourth iteration of ideas ideas before I got something that I really felt like was going to work. Uh, when you're trying to create a pile of 2x4s, you have to recognize that the 2x4s uh, will in fact be cut uh, into the lengths and shape that they need to be, uh, and that is the process of using ideas as building blocks. Well, I start each episode by saying that we deal here with the uh, mysteries and practicalities of the creative process, and I I like to think that uh, we live at the intersection between those two. The mysteries, I think, I think it's fair to say that where ideas come from is a bit of a mystery, even though we have theories and we have our own individual feelings about it, and it's different for everybody. Um, and uh, we have the practical need to take the mysterious ideas and turn them into the created product. And that is not a mystery. It is a, uh, it's something that we actually do. We do consciously and we, uh, apply skills and talents, uh, and hard work, uh, to actually making that happen. And that's, an incredibly essential thing for creativity is that both of those pieces are necessary. And even if, even if we could figure out where ideas come from, I'm not sure that that matters. There will always be that element of mystery. And so with that, I'm going to leave this uh, idea. I'm sure we'll return to it again. Sondheim superfans everywhere unite. Uh, as I speak, we are nearing the one-year anniversary of his death, and he lived a fantastic life, and he left art that is absolutely worthy of your consideration. If you're not already a superfan, I hope you will be. I hope you'll go out and listen to something. Listen to Sweeney Todd. Listen to Mary Lee. We roll along. Listen to Sunday in the Park with George. Oh, listen to any of them. They're all great in their own way. <laughs> so um, you can visit me over at lhpmusic.com. There you can hear samples of music that I've written in which you will certainly hear the influence of Stephen Sondheim. Uh, and I try not to be a copycat, uh, but... 
there's no way to uh, uh, deny the influence. I have been influenced uh, by Sondheim at no in no small measure. Uh, you can also look for me over on Patreon.com, where there will be that documentary about the creation of Mendota, as well as the full version of the noodling music that you've been hearing uh, here. If uh, anybody has any interest in hearing that, there are always ideas in those that don't get on, into the program. And are they worth hearing? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> it's hard to tell. In any case, that's going to do it for this time. I want to thank you for joining me. And I look forward to seeing you next time. My name is Rick Prescott. This is Something From Nothing. <laughs>